All right, welcome in. Cube Show podcast, a college football podcast that comes to you each and every Sunday. We got a lot to get to today. We are going to have a team preview for you. We don't have any more spring games to review. Those are finished. Those are over. Um, you did have San Jose State, by the way, yesterday, if you wanted to watch that one and stream it on the Mountain West Conference Network app. Um, hadn't gotten into the tape of that one just yet. We are going to preview a team, though. Remember, our spring team previews are still going to continue, even though some of the spring games have actually taken place. So we'll, we'll finish those up and then take you into summer, and then we'll go into positions, individual players, position groups, schedules, different things like that. It's going to be fun. we got stuff coming to you every Sunday. We have a lot of news this week as well. The portal has been busy. A couple of teams have been really active in the portal with guys that they're bringing in. So even though you saw this and you saw – LSU preview because that's the team whose spring preview we're going to knock out today. So we'll dive into that team, what we think, what we like, what we need to learn still. We'll go through all of that. But before we get to that, because this has confused a few people in the past, we are going to go through SEC news each and every day. Spring meetings coming up in a couple of weeks. Obviously, could be some SEC scheduling news there. We'll want to talk about that. And then heading into the season, we'll have a lot of different things that we want to go through. So portal Active, busy, a lot happening. We'll run through some portal stuff, then we'll get to LSU because there's a lot of things through the portal that we need to hit today. Uh, we'll start with Auburn because I think they've been the busiest, and they're the team that's probably got the most going on right now. Uh, Peyton Thorne comes in, Caleb Burton comes in, Jalen McLeod comes in. Now, TJ Finley is in the portal. When I say in, comes into the Auburn roster, Auburn facility. TJ Finley, quarterback in the portal. Landon King, tight end. Receiver in the portal, which is really surprising because so many people told us that Landon King went in the portal because Coach Harson was so mean to him and they were so unfair to him and he was so happy to get back out and that he was going to have this breakout year because he was the best receiver on the team. Right. Uh, he's back in the portal. So TJ Finley also in the portal. My opinion, TJ Finley needs to go down a level. Um, and listen, I don't, I don't want to crush TJ Finley because I think he's done some good things. And I think he has talent. I just think the development has been so up and down, so rocky. And you think about the fact that, you know, TJ Finley, he, he got to LSU and it was COVID. And he, he wasn't a top three quarterback right out of the gate. So you're trying to learn on Zoom and not everybody's a visual learner. Some guys are kinesthetic learners. Some guys are audio learners. And he's trying to learn how to play college quarterback on Zoom, which is hard as hell. And then he's not getting the reps early on. Well, we get to week seven or whatever it was, and TJ Finley's your starting quarterback. Uh, that's tough, man. And it's like once you get into games, your your development hinders just a tad because you have so much game preparation to do. You're not working as much of your feet and your fundamentals and you know, your ball placement and your release point and all those different things. Like you're not working your grip. You're, you're worried about what a, what different blitz packages are coming your way and what to check to and what the protections you need to be against certain things and how they roll coverages. So he comes to Auburn and then obviously he's going to go through a coaching change. Um, you know, starting quarterback gets hurt. He gets thrown in. It's just a lot for him, man. And so I think if he could go down a level where it would be undoubted that he was the guy and he could just get all the number one reps and he could focus in on that and he could focus in on getting better and actually play a ton being the guy, like not having to fight for it, not being in and out. And then the attitude probably needs to change a little bit. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going to be real with you there. Like the attitude probably does need to, to come around a little bit and have an understanding that, you know, you, you aren't just who you think you are. 
I think he could still have a good future in football. Um, but focusing on the guys Auburn's getting in. Uh, Peyton Thorne comes in at quarterback. Two years ago, super productive season. Last year, not as productive. He did have some injury issues last year. There were some concerns with that and then how it was handled with practice a little bit. But, you know, listen, things happen. I've, I've heard that from a locker room perspective, from a leadership perspective, Auburn's going to be happy to have him. He is a coach's kid. His dad's been an offensive coordinator. His dad won a national championship as a Division three coach. His grandfather, really cool Auburn side note here, was Mike Lutzenkirken's high school football coach. And he won four state titles just outside of Chicago at Wheaton North High School. So football's in this kid's blood. He's a football lifer. He's a film junkie. He's in the facility all the time. And there are a couple of things that I really like about Peyton Thorne that I don't think a lot of other people are going to really emphasize or talk to you about. And we're going to, we're going to get into those today. As you know, we're always brought to you by Wickles Pickles, wickedly delicious. Pick them up at your local grocery store. And I've told you before that you guys, uh, there's a couple sandwiches at Soho Social that you can get them at. Wickles.com where you can find them online as well. Um, if I move a little slow today or if my face looks a little fatter today, that's because Soho Standard, next door to Soho Social in downtown Homewood, had their brunch today and they do like an all-you-can-eat brunch. They just started this. And let me just tell you, it is to freaking die for. Um, you pay one fee, you get all your mimosas and everything. So my wife and her friend were having the mimosas. My buddy was having Bloody Marys. I, I don't drink anymore, but I had plenty of food to make up for the price. It didn't matter. Cinnamon roll, beignets, the waffle. They make like this croissant waffle. It's it's It melts in your mouth. It's unbelievable. That All that aside, um, Soho Standard, brunch, downtown Homewood. If you're ever there and you need it, it's there and it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, I might be a little bit slower today because I am as full as humanly possible. But... Back to Peyton Thorne and a couple of the things that I really like about him. Number one, and this sounds super simple. This sounds super easy. He's not afraid of the check down. And I know people say, what? Who cares? Like that's you're thrown into the back out of the backfield. Well, one, you know how to get to your progressions. Two, you're not trying to force the ball. Three, if you sit there and take check downs all day and they're there and you're picking up yards, who gives a damn? Just keep doing it. Um, I think he levels the ball extremely well, so he can get it up and over coverage really, really well, especially over the middle of the field. So a lot of zone coverage stuff that comes his way. He knows how to get it over the top of the zone coverage and down into the receiver. I've seen him do it a million times. Um, deep ball, I think he has really nice touch on his deep ball. Uh, I think he has pretty good accuracy when he has time. And I think he's fairly mobile. Like he's nimble in the pocket. He can move around a little bit. He can elude the rush. I think he has enough mobility. Like I've heard a lot of Jarrett Stidham comps. I'm not going to go there because I don't think he throws as good of a ball as Jarrett did. Um, and I don't think he's quite as accurate as Jarrett was. Uh, Jarrett just a tad more stationary, I think. But I mean, Jarrett Stidham threw a beautiful ball though, folks. Like people forget like how nice of a ball he threw. Uh, I don't think Peyton is that pure of a passer. But he's a little bit more nimble, and he's pretty tough. He'll stay in there and take a hit, and I think he has better mobility than Jarrett Stidham. So you can design some things in the run game for him, and it can be an advantage more than just a, hey, if this is blatantly obvious and it's here, we'll take it. It can be a little bit more than that. Um, he's tough. He'll take a hit. He's he's physical when he's carrying the football. He's just kind of a gamer. Like You see the coach's kid in him when you watch him play. And I think he has enough of an arm to make every throw. Like, I'm not worried about the arm strength, but is he going to give you Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, like highlight throws? No, it's not who he is. He doesn't have that kind of stuff, but that's okay. He doesn't need that. And I don't think Hugh Freeze needs that. I don't think Hugh Freeze looks at it and say, well, if we don't have a howitzer, we can't run this offense. Like, that's not what it is. 
He wanted, I mean, go back and watch that spring game. The, the perfect example of this is when Hugh Freeze and Chris Doring are on the field and TJ Finley throws it into three defenders down the seam. And what do you know? There's like a little 10 yard hitch. It's just sitting there wide open because the defender left him to go to the middle of the field. And Hugh tells Chris Doring right there, like, that's what we need. We need a guy that sees that, understands that, and just says, you know what? We'll take it because it's wide open. There's no defender over there. And there wasn't. You can see at the bottom of the screen. So I think he brings a lot of that. And I think that's going to be welcomed. He's just right now, he understands offense. He understands football. He understands concepts better than Robbie Ashford does. Is he a better athlete? No. Could Robbie Ashford still have a role in the side of that offense if Peyton Thorne's the starter? Absolutely. Go develop for a year or two and then be the guy and then try to play quarterback and go to the NFL and utilize those skills. Um, so, I mean, listen, I said a while back that, you know, there was a certain tight end at South Carolina last year that I could see Robbie Ashford kind of morphing into if he wanted to. I don't know if he ever wants to do that, but I do think he runs well enough to be able to be that kind of a player if he wants to. Um, that being said, Peyton Thorne is a great get for Auburn. Is he the most talented quarterback in the SEC and going to wow you with 20 throws a game? That's not who he is, but he is a solid, solid quarterback that is going to give you like B-plus across the board. Did he leave the pocket a few times early last year? He did. His protection broke down a lot. I didn't view that as problematic, like something that's going to happen every game. We've seen that at Auburn here recently, and I don't think it's to that extent. And if this offensive line takes a step that we think it's going to, that might not be an issue. They also get wide receiver Caleb Burton from Ohio State. Um, now, I'm going to give you one more after this that I'm really excited about, but Caleb Burton, number one, I can't, I don't, I don't know. There's no film. He doesn't have a college reception. He's been in Ohio State for a year. That's a that's kind of a that's a red flag to me. You go somewhere one year and you don't even play. I think when we first see this, we say, well, first off, I've told you guys how any kid in the portal now people just get excited about. And we have no idea what they are, what they do. But I think this young man, you go to Ohio State and you don't play, and people are kind of like, Well, yeah, that's probably the best wide receiver room in the country, like Marvin Harrison Jr. Like you're not moving in front of that guy. And you get it and you understand like Jamison Williams come down to Alabama, what he did, like he wasn't really getting balls in that offense because they had so many dudes and give Ohio State and those guys credit like Heartline and Day, like they get them in every single year. They got them lined up. All right. So maybe that's it. My understanding is not so much. Um, Former number one receiver in the country from a recruiting standpoint. He was dinged up at Ohio State. I think he lost his junior year in high school to an ACL and he needs to come in hungry. Almost anyone could come in and complete for reps in this Auburn offense right now because of what they have at receiver. Number one, they need a lot of them. And number two, they don't have a lot of great ones. But the attitude is going to have to change. There, there will be nothing given, and he's got to come in and earn it. And that might be something in his past that has been there. But he's a coach's kid. His dad coaches Lake Travis High School there in Austin. So I'm imagining they could have a couple conversations about, hey, it's time to refocus and re-energize and get your mind right if you want to go in and play. So – I, I like the possibilities there, and Hugh Freeze knows they just need numbers at that position. Now, edge defender Jalen McLeod coming in from App State. Whoa, Nelly. Did not know what I was going to get with this kid. I turned the film on, and first off, I see a young man going 120 miles an hour on every play. I mean, ripping and roaring. Long arms, strong hands, knows how to use them. I've seen him fight through double teams in, in pass rush. i see him fight through double teams in the run game. Um, this kid has got it good, get off, good twitch, good flexibility, great hands, a variety of moves. He can get to the quarterback and Auburn had to have this. They needed this off the edge. They had no twitch. They didn't have this kind of an edge rusher and now they've got it. So this is a big get 
for that Auburn defense. Now, the only issue that I have with Jalen McLeod is he appeared to be a bit of a situational player. I've had some people tell me, well, he's a third down guy. Well, I've seen him lined up down inside playing the run. Like he didn't just play on third downs, but not like an every game starter. Not a, I mean, he's, he, he didn't play all the snaps like some guys might expect him to, but I'm just telling you, this is exactly what Auburn needs. And he is a guy that is going to help that Auburn defense. All right. So moving on from Auburn, Arkansas gets a recommitment from North Texas tight end Varkis Gums. I think I've told you guys two, three pods ago how much I like this young man. Freshman tight end last year at North Texas. First thing I look for in a freshman tight end. Are you willing? Will you go out there and stick your face mask in a dude's chest, strike your hands, run your feet, and try to block? You might get overpowered. You might fall on your face. It's fine. Those guys are going to be better than you if they've been around a few years at that part of the game. And he went out there and did it. He was willing. He was physical. They use him in split zone. They inserted him a bunch, which means they bring him from like an H back off the ball position. And they bring him inside the offensive line to climb up on a linebacker or safety. He can do all of that. And he'll get better at that. Super athletic. Big catch radius. I've seen him make catches in traffic. He's athletic. This is a massive get for Arkansas because this, in my opinion, offsets the Trey Knox loss. He can be all those things and maybe even a little bit more physical, like a little more traditional tight end, even though I think Trey ended up being great. And I think he's going to be great at South Carolina this year, but massive get. I think Cody Kennedy was on him and he brought him in. They lost him for a minute, ends up goes and getting him back. Good get for the hogs. Nonetheless, Ole Miss wide receiver, Chris Marshall dismissed. He was dismissed from A&M. Probably just time to move on from that one. Uh, cornerback DeMarco Williams, though, does say he's going to stay. And so he removes his name from the portal. So that'll be a body that Ole Miss does not lose to the NCAA transfer portal. Good news there. Uh, Florida gets Michigan safety RJ Moten. Now, this is Austin Armstrong's going to love this kid because he is a really nice box player, physical, solid against the run. Austin Armstrong will know how to use this young man because I think he had a similar guy at Southern Miss last year that wasn't great in space, that wasn't going to be able to hang in man-to-man coverage, but could cover a little bit of ground and knew how to come downhill and play against the run. That's what this young man can do. He's not going to be a nickel. He's not going to be a guy that you put in man coverage. He's not covering the slot one-on-one, but he will be able to get down to that box and be able to play. So if you are playing nickel dime, maybe you put him at linebacker, keep him in just because he can run. And he gives you extra speed and the physicality he's not afraid to use up close to the line of scrimmage. Either way, you get a nice downhill safety. It's going to be solid against the run, good in the tackle box, and gives you different options on the back end of that defense. It's a good get, I think, for Billy Napier. Missouri goes and gets edge defender Miles Gaddy from Jackson State. Seven and a half sacks, I think, last year. Um, Mizzou's had a ton of edge guys the last few years. So if they're going to get this one, you would imagine – probably going to be solid with what they do defensively. Uh, I hadn't seen a ton of tape on him, but got good production. And we know prime got solid players in there. So maybe he comes in and helps. They also get Houston offensive line and Cameron Johnson. He comes over with offensive line coach, Braden Jones. He played guard last year for Houston. He was all conference. I believe he's big. He's physical. He can move. He's athletic. Like that was a good Houston offensive line last year. And Cameron was one of the guys that made it really good. So that's a great get for Missouri because I think they need a few extra numbers on that offensive line. I think he'll play. I think he'll help. And then finally, A&M gets Fresno State quarterback uh, Jalen Henderson. Jay Kaner's been the dude the last few years, so you weren't going to get a ton of reps. Um, I haven't really seen a bunch of him. I don't really know. Uh, he's only got like eight passes. 
excuse me, it is crazy. I eat so many cinnamon rolls at breakfast that my mouth is dry. Um, he's only got, he's only completed eight passes for five passes and eight attempts for 49 yards. I, I don't, I don't really know a ton about what AM's getting here, but they add another quarterback and they got a bunch on scholarship. So that's great. All right. That's our portal news. We're also brought to you by Blue Delta Jeans. Go to bluedeltajeans.com. Premium denim, custom fit denim, the best pair of jeans you'll ever put on in your entire life. Tell them you heard about them here. Ask for Nick. He'll get you set up. You're going to love it. I saw they were over at LSU actually this week. There's a picture of Nick with Brian Kelly uh, on the Twitter feed. Go check that out uh, at Blue Delta Jeans. And he was in there suiting up Brian Kelly. That's not the reason we did LSU today, but he was there. Booger McFarlane, I think, got him hooked up and sent him over there because Boog loves Blue Delta Jeans, even though he hated on them for a long time. Now he loves them. Um, You're going to love them too. Just try them out. One pair. You won't want another pair of jeans ever. All right, this LSU football team, we talked about it a little bit after the spring game, and I really liked what I saw in a lot of different areas. Felt like we got a lot of questions answered about what this team might be, could be, and there's only a couple of answers I feel like I really needed from this football team. Like, I still kind of want to know, like, what is the starting five going to look like up front? Because one thing I think you got in the spring was Marlon Martinez at center did a really nice job. Charles Turner wasn't available. So, Either that adds depth or potentially you bump somebody to guard, and that's always a possibility. We saw Miles Fraser a bunch in the spring game doing some good things. I loved him coming in last year from FIU. Where does he end up? Uh, obviously, you're going to have big freshman uh, Zalance Hurd, who's going to come in five-star from the same high school as Will Campbell, saying he's going to beat Will Campbell out. Emory Jones is going to have one tackle. I do think Will Campbell could bump down. Maybe the Hurd kid could bump down. I don't know, but... This group's going to have numbers, and they haven't had numbers in a while. Imagine what they did the first five, six weeks of the season last year. I mean, it was moving people all around. I mean, it was like a game of chess each and every week just to find out who was going to be where for that LSU offensive line. I like the fact now that it looks like you're going to have a pretty good idea who your first five is, and you're going to have two or three behind them that you know can play, either because of what they are athletically, physically, or what they've already done in games. And that is massive for a team that had big issues with that a year ago. So if you get that along with the quarterback play, by the way, speaking of portal, Garrett Nussmeyer announces he's going to stay this week, which is huge because Garrett Nussmeyer has starting SEC ability. There are a couple SEC schools that he could be the starter at right now. And there's a lot of power five schools he could be the starter at right now, but wants to stick around, not necessarily be the guy for one more year. And then I think you'd have two years to go out there and take it if he wanted them, which is great. Uh, I do think his game still has a little bit of development left. I mean, he throws the, those airmail deep balls that look like they go straight up in the air, kind of like that Jeff Blake-style deep ball from back in the day. But he's a gamer. He's tough. He's got good mobility. He throws well on the run. You let him polish up for one more year, and then, whoa, buddy, imagine what you're going to be getting next year with him being around the program for a few years. But like we said, coming out of that spring game, the quarterbacks just look comfortable. Like Jaden Daniels looked more like he belonged in that spring game. And like I've told you guys before, I know the people are going to hear this and say, oh, it's a spring game. You can't take anything from it. All right, that's fine. But you can take things from it. It's just you have to know what details you're looking for. And you have to specifically go find certain things. And you can have legitimate takeaways from a spring game. And it ain't the damn score. But Jaden Daniels just going through some of the reads, going through some of the fakes when he got the ball out, just he looked confident. He looked comfortable. He looked smooth. He looked in rhythm. All of that is fantastic. It's all great news for him, for LSU, for this offense. You got another guy behind you, which that's not even an and if or but technically because 
What that allows Mike Denbrock to now do is say, well, if it's in our best interest to run Jaden Daniels on design quarterback runs eight, 12, 15 times a game, we're not going to shy away from that because we got another kid that can come in and pull the trigger and win games for us. That's a big advantage for LSU, the fact that go back to the Florida offense last year. This is a perfect example. And they lost a couple of their backup quarterbacks. So what happened to Anthony Richardson early in the year? No design runs. You didn't get quarterback power. You didn't even get a lot of replays. You didn't get a lot of quarterback sneak even on short yardage because they had to conserve him because there wasn't anybody else. You get through that mindset, and now all of a sudden you can utilize someone's skill set that can actually go beat your opponents. That's huge. Not having to draw that back, not having to reel that in, not having to say, man, we would love to use that, but I don't know if we can do it. That's huge for Denbrock and company. Uh, so the offensive line, I think, is going to be solid. Mason Taylor's back at tight end. you got a bunch of freshman tight ends coming in that might be able to help. We saw how Mason Taylor developed. He wasn't there in the spring, but athletically, he's going to allow you to move. He's going to be a mismatch guy, do a lot of different things. And physically, I thought he really brought his game along nicely towards the end of last season. Now, does he get as much development, missing some spring? Who knows? But I think he's going to be fine. I think they'll be fine at that position, mainly because of what they have at wide receiver. Everybody loves 12 and 13 personnel right now. I don't know if LSU, Mike Denbrock, and Brian Kelly are going to love 12 and 13 personnel as much this year because of the receivers they have. Plain and simple. Number one, addition by subtraction, look where the dude got drafted. It's going to be better. Bottom line, it's going to be better. The room will be better. The mentality will be better. The attitude will be better. It will be better. Kyron Lacey, small town kid, been waiting his turn. I think finally knows he's got it, has kind of come into his own, according to people I talked to this spring. And he looked like a Madden character who created himself and was out there playing video games in the spring game. The one-handed catch, spin, stiff arm, jumping guys, and he's and he's huge. And then you see Brian Thomas, and he's bigger. He's bigger than Kyron Lacey. And then Malik Neighbors is the best of all of them. So you've got a couple others that I think maybe coming in as freshmen or that have been there that could contribute to that and help with that. But this group is neck and neck with with Ohio State as the best wide receiver room in college football. They are knocking on that door. I think Ohio State's got it locked down. This group's knocking on the door. And the size and power differential is one of the advantages that they would have if you were kicking that argument back and forth. So throwing the football, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Protecting, not going to be a problem. Throwing it, and who's throwing it? Not a problem because you have depth there. My one concern for this offense, and see, quarterback runs make you defend thing a different way. Tempo is something that Jaden Daniels is more comfortable with. I've told you guys a story how last year, after the first few games, they went back and said the completion percentage for Jaden, like when the ball was snapped with 19 seconds or more on the clock, was like almost 70, 19 seconds and under, that it was like in the almost in the 40s. So they're like, we need to go fast. Boom, boom, boom. See, everybody just says, oh, they got so much better. I've, I've said this and I'll stick by this. They didn't just get better. They got more comfortable and they had a better understanding of who they were and what they needed to be doing. And they just figured themselves out and they put the players in positions that they were most comfortable with and gave them the best chance to succeed. That's a good coaching staff. Now, this year you go in, you can run tempo, 
You got multiple formations, multiple receiver sets. So now we can go bunch. We can go three by one, which gives everybody headaches this day and age. We got a couple tight ends that you can utilize. And the mobile quarterback is going to give the defense something totally different to defend. And if your offensive line is pretty good getting a push, that opens up the run game. I am a little concerned about running back. I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, Noah Kane looked great in pass pro in the spring game, but I he's not dynamic. And listen, I've told you guys before, like all the Georgia guys got mad at me when I said that the D-line wasn't disruptive in the spring game, which I don't know how you can get mad at it because you obviously didn't watch the fucking spring game if you watched it and didn't think the Georgia D-line wasn't disruptive in the middle. I, go watch it. Maybe similar to that, I'm just measuring it by too high of a standard because I know what I played against when LSU had running backs. I know what I watched for a decade after I played and what LSU had at running back. Maybe just what I expect is a little bit too much. And I do think Josh Williams is super solid, much better than a lot of people anticipated last year. He wasn't out there in the spring. And then Armani Goodwin's been dinged up, banged up. Does he have some juice? Yes. But consistency being on the field, availability is your best ability. And then I think John Emery obviously may have some of that. We just haven't consistently been able to see it. And now he's got some academic things to figure out. So we don't know what his status is going to be moving forward. So I don't know if it's just me grading it on too difficult of a scale or if it's maybe really a little bit of a concern. But I'll just say I'm a little concerned about it going in. Is it going to cost him five games? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is if there's a time that you would need to lean on that position, is it going to be enough to say go out and, and beat Alabama? or go out and beat Auburn, or go out and beat Arkansas, or whoever else you're in a tight game with, and it's time for a running back to take over. I just don't know. I think you have options. That's good. I think some of the options have different strengths. That can be of assistance. And the main part is, I think the rest of the offense is going to be really good. So offensively, I think this group's in great shape. More depth than last year, more playmakers than last year, better attitude, probably everybody more on the same page, a lot less headaches which makes for a much more comfortable game plan, game called, and in and out of the huddle, on the sidelines, whatever. Defensively, uh, I think Matt House is going to have some fun with this defense this year. And it's funny because with the portal, we spend a lot of time talking about, well, this guy's over here now, this guy's over there now, this guy did this, this guy didn't do that, or this guy was recruited this way. Everybody just forgets about the middle of this defense. And everybody just forgets about the fact that Mason Smith was an absolute monster his freshman year, especially late. Go watch him. Ed Ordron told me, we'll line him up at DN. We don't care. He's that athletic. I'm like, look at him. He could DN. Dude, like, it looks like a Vince McMahon number one draft pick. He's like, he can play D tackle. He can play zero nose. He can play DN. He's that athletic. And then lose him in the Florida State game last year. Hated it because I was excited to watch him. He's going to be a dude this year. Makai Wingo was a dude last year. You guys have heard me go back and forth. Ray Davis, Vanderbilt, Makai Wingo. Uh, right here at LSU and maybe Ricky Stromberg at Arkansas. Those were like my three most underrated players in the league pretty consistently last year. Like all did a great job. None of them got near enough credit for what they did. So then you got, I think Jacoby and Gilroy is going to be a guy who really helps inside. Uh, I think he's going to help add a little bit of depth. Somebody who can probably come in and do some nice things for you. Not worried about the interior. I think they're going to be fine there. A lot of people are worried about the edge. And look at, all right, well, B.J. Lazari's gone. Ali Gay's gone. Ovia Goffo is, is going to be solid. 17, watch him in the spring game. You can see that big, long wingspan. Good pass rusher transfer coming in. Like, he, he gets it. He understands it. He's going to be fine. He's going to give you enough off the edge. Then, I think also, 
You've got a freshman, Jackson Howard, coming in that's going to give you great length, already has a good feel for rushing the passer, did some good things. They, they know what he's going to be capable of doing when he gets there to help. And then I think Brady Swenson, the Oregon transfer, is also going to help there. So once again, collectively, I think that group's going to be fine. They don't, they're, they're not going to need an edge rusher to be dominant. Like You don't need Montgomery and Mingo for this defense to work. That's, that's not what you're going to have to have. And I was just like, I'm already kind of getting jacked up talking about it. Like I just, I can smell the tailgating, like rolling in right outside there, Baton Rouge and like, (laughs) it's a special place, man. Like I've literally got goosebumps right now talking about it. That's how much I love going to Death Valley. But I guess when you're two and oh there, that happens. All right. So some of the other reasons that the edge rushers might not be as big of a deal is the best player returning on defense in the Southeastern Conference, and that's Harold Perkins. Harold Perkins can be that Troy Palomalu type guy, and I know he's not a safety. I get it. I know he won't freelance as much. I get it. But Matt House is going to be able to use him in so many different ways. You want him to be a blitzer? You want to bring pressure in the middle? A-gap, B-gap? He can do that. You want to line him up outside? Edge rusher? Go get quarterback? Fine. Do it. I think the focus with him this spring, though, was – Let's teach him to be a stack backer. Let's teach him to play off the ball, read and react. And what I saw in the spring game was really good with that. And the message that I get coming out of that facility is he was really good with it coming out of spring. Well, what does that free you up to do? Not had to have as much off the ball to worry about other things. If he can cover all that ground and he can diagnose quickly, you can be more high risk in different places because he is now your eraser and he is going to clean things up. All these things go together. This is conceptual football that we try to talk to you guys and teach to you guys about. Like there's being able to run a zone read with a quarterback is is not just about utilizing a quarterback's legs. It's what forces the defense to do and how it plays you. And then all of a sudden your front side zone plays open up or here comes some of your RPO plays that open up or your screen game and your slot game, your uncovered game opens up. Like It all works together. These things are all connected. So if you have an off the ball linebacker, that's going to diagnose and read and see things early and go attack things and go get things before they really even get going. Well, we can have some more run subs up front, or we don't have to play as many guys in the box because we know even if there's a wrong read somewhere else, this guy's going to get there and make the play that gives us an extra body on the back end and coverage. Voila. It's going to be harder to throw the ball on us. Also coming out of spring. I think I told you guys this after the spring, like Omar Spates, I did not expect to look this way. I watched his Oregon State film. I, I pulled the entire last season. I watched them all. I was impressed with the sideline to sideline. I thought he was fast. I thought he was quick. But I was like, nah, you know, physically, we'll see. I don't really know. Maybe he can help. Then I see him in an LSU uniform in the spring game, and poof, he's every bit of it. My, I've been told that he's up 12 pounds since he's been in Baton Rouge. And that, like, the mental switch to, all right, it's time to go be a pro. And like all of it that comes with that, whether it might be sleep, nutrition, recovery, you know, preventive maintenance on your body, all those things, like it is all turned on for this young man. And now he ain't sideline to sideline guy. He has been described to me as a thumper. And that's what he looked like in in the uniform in the spring game is a dude that could come downhill and knock you on your ass. I think they got a good one in this young man. And so now imagine I got big, bad physical linebacker. Next to him, I've got my read, react, see everything linebacker. How many more do you need back there? So, and obviously you've got Greg Penn that's been there. Uh, West Weeks has done something. Like you guys, Whit Weeks did some good things in spring game. So the numbers are going to be fine there. And then 
If you need to go more formations where a an extra backer's off the field and you get smaller, Perkins just slides down. And so you keep your best player on the field. Again, the versatility, the options that you're going to have, Mason Smith moving around, Perkins moving around, like, who front seven is going to be really good. Really, really good. Now, can't say the same thing about cornerback. And I don't know exactly how corner is going to look. I do think corner is where this team probably has the most work to do. At least you get some numbers coming in. Uh, Deuce Chestnut, Denver Harris, um, Zy Alexander, J.K. Johnson. All right, you got some guys that have played a lot. Some guys have been in different schemes. Some guys that do one thing well, don't do other things well. This will be a work in progress, in my opinion. Uh, and once again, kind of like running back, it's weird to say this because it always feels like it just happens there. It always feels like they've got that dude at that spot. And I don't know if they have those dudes at that spot right now. Good news how also is if your front seven is completely ripping it up, you can get away with that a little bit. Play off, play more zone. Like it's you can figure it out. Then you bring veterans back, Greg Books, Major Burns at safety. Those are guys that have been around that have done it. And let me just say this again for folks who don't appreciate it. Every time I turned on the LSU film last year, there were a couple of guys, but three and 28 were two of them that came humming downfield to attack the football. And sometimes they missed. And some people might say, well, they missed tackles. If your guys going a thousand miles an hour from 30 yards of depth, I really don't care if you miss one out of eight tackles. Like I'll take that kind of effort every day and putting their bodies on the line on a regular basis. So now we've got physical safeties, a D line that can move around, be versatile, do different things. And we have probably more numbers than we had last year. Versatility at linebacker that can move, mix, match, do different things. And one playmaker that just makes shit happen. You got that going for you. Young at corner, but safeties that come downhill and thump like folks. Matt House, like I said, is going to have some fun with this LSU defense this year. And I get it. Listen, it starts right out of the gate. It's a great test. You go to Orlando, you play Florida State, you're going to find out a lot about yourself. Grambling, I had the Southern game last year. I didn't think the tailgating could ramp up the way that it did for that game. Like the city was on fire. It was awesome. I mean, it was, listen, I've been to Iron Bowls. I've been to Magic City Classics. Like that rivaled those settings for that game. So Grambling going to be a little something extra, but they'll handle that game. At Starkville, Arkansas at home, at Ole Miss, at Missouri, Auburn at home. I don't love the Army game. I'm just going to be honest with you. After that stretch that we mentioned and before you go to a bye week, I just I don't like the Army game right there. I do like having a bye week after before Bama because your knees are probably going to be hurting. Your ankles are going to be hurting. More guys in the training room. You get that for your trip to Alabama, Florida at home. Georgia State has been a dangerous team, but they're kind of – kind of – on the downtrend, I love their offense, by the way. Trent McKnight does an awesome job with that offense. If you hadn't seen it, go watch it. It's really cool. And then you got AM at home. So, I mean, listen, you can't have Bama on the road and say your road schedule is not that bad. Starkville is a tough-ass place to play. Um, so, and listen, going to Missouri is weird still in this league. But I think the schedule is, if you can get past Florida State, 
I think a door opens to do some special things inside of the schedule. And then there's parts of the rest of it that open up really nice because think about it. We've talked about the coin flip teams in this league, Mississippi state. We don't know about the offense, Arkansas. We don't really know about the defense uh, or the receivers, you know, Ole Miss is Pete going to make the defense that much better quarterback question mark receivers weapons. Eh, I don't know. Missouri, they better than last year. Auburn free's going to get it going. Peyton Thorne, the right guy. Eh, we'll see. Bama's got more questions than ever, ever under Nick Saban. Florida doesn't look like a power right now. So if you get that Florida State game, I think the door opens up to do some really special things. I think offensively, they're going to have versatility. You're going to have guys you can move, mix, and match. You're going to have the ability to go fast. You're going to have the ability to implement quarterback run. You're going to have the ability to go multiple formations just with your wide receivers. And because some of them are bigger, you can bring them a little closer to the line of scrimmage. It helps your screen game. It helps the run game a little bit. You get different mismatches physically. Red zone should not be a problem because of what they have, especially a tight end with Mason Taylor. He was great in the red zone last year. And if the offensive line is what we think it's going to be, that helps you in the red zone. Defense, front seven's got to win it for them. Front seven's got to dominate, and it's capable of dominating. They have the bodies to be able to do that. So I'm excited about this team, man. I hope I get them a couple of times this year because I think there are parts of them that have the ingredients to be a very special football team. This is not hype. I'm not trying to push them over the top. I have no agenda here to try to make you think LSU is going to be better than they are. I just look at what they have and how that can be problematic for the teams on the schedule. I feel like some really good things could happen. So thanks for being with us again. Appreciate you guys being with us. I think we're over 2,000 subscribers right now, which is incredible. We got more of you coming on YouTube at Cube Show 61. Please go subscribe there. Always appreciate that. Instagram, Twitter, at Cube Show as well. Go follow along. We'll try to get different things out. We bring you college football content each and every Sunday. That is what we do. And we're going to continue doing it through the offseason. We'll be back next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.